Welcome back, everyone, to the fourth edition of Two Falcons, One Hour. I am Liam Tormey, alongside my host, Andrew Lazara. We are back again, talking about sports, not politics, in a crazy time right now in our country, but we get to be the ones that talk about something else besides that, so that's why we are here. Sports still in their midst. It's obviously kind of a dead period to what it was a couple weeks ago, if we, if we want to say that, even though... We do have football all around us with the NFL and college football. But we're back again, talking more about NFL football. Our picks from last week, Andrew, you know, they went all right. I'd had a better week than I know you did, but yeah, that's we, we kept it rolling. Us, yeah, that's pretty typical at this point. <laughs> no, I, moved to, I moved to three and six on the year, but I'll, I'll go through them. I took the... The Panthers over the Falcons on uh, Thursday night football. You know, Teddy Bridgewater and the Falcons. I mean, the Panthers look pretty good. And then, uh, you know, the Falcons decided to show up this week. And uh, Matt Ryan played pretty well. Julio Jones had a pretty good game too, but you got to give that to him. Uh, Panthers secondary didn't uh, perform too well. They uh, they got shaken up a little bit. couple injuries on the, the Panthers side, but uh, – my next game was uh, the Chargers Broncos under. That was a a big fail on my part. I mean, <laughs> the Chargers just blowing another lead, which they're known for at this point. But that's that. We'll get to that later. And um, my last game, I finally got one right. I said the Steelers would stay undefeated against the Ravens, and seven and zero they did go. So I'm uh, two and I mean one and two on the week and three and six overall. How about yourself? Well. I also took the Panthers Falcons game, but I ended up coming up with a with a victory, if I must say so myself. I know at halftime, you had texted me saying during that game that the, the under wasn't looking too good, and then you know we go into the second half, and there's a combined twelve points in the entire second half, and look what happens under forty nine. So great pick. I also took the Colts over the Lions minus two and a half. Um, I thought for sure that line was too low. And in fact, the Colts will win by 20 points. So another victory for me. And then we're going to get in into it later because I know you're still very frustrated by it. But frustrated. I said uh, I said I would take the Packers over the Vikings minus six and a half. And I even remember last week during the show, I said I never really liked betting these divisional division games. Yeah. yeah, I said it, and then still went against my word. <laughs> and the Vikings outright beat the Packers. So I went two and one on the week, four and five on the year. Why don't we, Andrew? Might as well start off with the Thursday night game. It was uh, it was a game that you know, Panthers. I said earlier a couple weeks ago when we first started this that they looked to be a team that uh, was a surprise for me. I think we're starting to see who they really are, though. Now they have uh, some games upcoming that are going to be tough for them, and against the Falcons, a Falcons team who you never know is going to show up. They eventually showed up, played a lot better defensively than in the beginning of the game, and, and I think it, it showed. So what did you see last week from that game? Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter right after saying how the Falcons finally didn't blow a lead for once and uh, <laughs> about that. But, I mean, props to the Falcons. They, their defense came up clutch in the end there, getting that uh, game-winning pick. And, um, I mean, I honestly thought Bridgewater was going to drive them down the field and at least score a touchdown. I don't know if they would have gotten the two-point conversion, but I thought they were definitely going to go down and score there. But um, like I said, Falcons defense came up big with the the pick. And um, yeah, but on the Panthers side, I mean, their offense hasn't looked bad. I mean, they're, they signed Robbie Anderson this offseason. He's playing well. I mean, Mike Davis has filled in tremendously for McCaffrey. I mean, like you, you can't even ask any more of the guy. He's basically been Christian McCaffrey yeah. these past weeks stat-wise. And... But, I mean, the Falcons came through in this one and in a primetime game. And, honestly, I was kind of surprised about it, but it was a, it was a pretty good game. What were your yeah, thoughts? I'll, I'll tell you, I, I mean, I didn't see this until a couple hours before the game, but someone had sent to me that since 2008, right, the Carolina Panthers have never covered on a Thursday night game at home. So you would have liked to hear this. They huh. never have covered – Thursday night game at home. They're 0-6 and are 1-5 straight up in those games. And then, of course, the Falcons outright beat them. So I that was pretty interesting to me. Um, of course, it ended up happening that the Falcons did what they had to do. 
as you said, I, I think it's interesting having Joe Brady, who coming from LSU, he was so highly sought after by people and people saying this is the next mastermind in, in football and with the things that he did with Joe Burrow at LSU. And I honestly, is it can people say that the Carolina offense is overperforming? I think they there are times when they look really good. And you mentioned Christian McCaffrey and him being out for a while is, is a huge loss. And I know they're hoping to get him back in this upcoming week as he's been on injured reserve. But I heard he was a full participant the other day. So we'll see what happens with that. It always changes and whatnot. But, but Joe Brady being that offensive coordinator, I think – he can he can stir up some things on the offensive side, and if they start to get all their get the pieces back and become a better football team, then it'll be dangerous to see what what Brady, if he is this mastermind, can can cook up. But at the same time, if he starts to do that too soon, then he might get a offer from a head coach coaching job uh, sooner than we think, because he was rumored before the season before he signed with Carolina as a coordinator that he would. Could be possibly be a, a head coach, and that didn't end up happening. But as you mentioned, you know Teddy Bridgewater. I thought in the first half he looked good, and then I thought he he had some throws that just were all over the place. He only had 176 yards, rushed for 30 yards, had a touchdown and interception, sacked a couple of times. So I, I think it's just what we're seeing, what we see from from Carolina. They're not some crazy team that's gonna be doing doing much this season as you mentioned also though uh in Robbie Anderson I uh told you I had a little stat from that I that I saw that the leaders after in receiving yards after the past eight weeks are DeAndre Hopkins with 704 Stefan Diggs with 695 and Robbie Anderson with 688 so the top three players all switched teams during the offseason and we always talk about Andrew and you're like is it possible that it's going to take some time for these guys to gel with their quarterbacks but these guys have obviously told us a lot differently and maybe as we joke about maybe that just has to do with Robbie Anderson and him being on the Jets for the past couple of years <laughs> but on the Falcon side of the ball I mean this team this team has talent um you have guys like Todd Gurley Julio Jones Calvin Ridley I know Ridley ended up getting hurt uh during the game and they still pulled out with a victory Julio in the first quarter he already had 70 or 50 five yards, 60 yards on the first drive. So he, you could see he was, he was feeling it early in the game. I know Matt Ryan didn't have a, have a touchdown and Todd Gurley needed to make up for the week before where he went into the end zone. But I mean, it's two teams that we I don't think we can get too excited about, but a win's a win in, in the NFL, you know? So. Yeah. And just one other thing, one last thing I want to touch on is Teddy Bridgewater got, hit uh hard late in that uh first half I think it was and you gotta wonder if he was like affected by that at all in the second half maybe sure. I mean it was a it was a pretty tough shot to watch like especially in slow motion the way they were showing it I mean it looked like his head just got bashed in and you gotta wonder if even after all the concussion tests and everything they probably did to him if he was still affected at all by that it yeah. had to play some role but We'll never know. And he, he, did, he did throw an interception on the last drive, too, for them driving to tie the game up. I mean, they were at the Falcons' 30-yard line with uh, with just a minute left, and then he ends up throwing an interception, and the Falcons sealed it off. But I know, as you said, it, it we don't know how much it could have impacted him, but for, for sure that hit had to at least rattle him up a little bit. Yeah, and he's, and he's usually pretty – conservative with the football too he doesn't usually turn it over too much so True. that was pretty uncharacteristic of him as well for sure for sure all right well i guess we can move on into the sunday games there were some games that had some interesting talking points to it some other games that were kind of some blah some meh to them but we want to i know the first game that really happened on sunday the first game on my list was the Buffalo Bills hosting the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots looking for a win. They don't end up coming up one to, uh, with Cam Newton fumbling with on that last drive. And the Patriots now see themselves in a very big hole right now. So, Andrew, what you what you take away from this? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot closer of a game than I expected it to be. I mean, 
I heard a lot of people talking coming into this week saying how after years and years of the Patriots beating up on the Bills, this was the Bills' chance to finally uh, return the, the favor to the Patriots. And they I mean, they came out with the win, like you said, but the Bills, Bills and Bills Mafia especially really wanted this one to just hammer it home on the Patriots, and they didn't really get to do that. Honestly, they they were very close to coming up with an L. And, I oh, mean, yeah. the the Bills just underperformed. I think they played down to their opponent, and I think the Patriots played up a little bit too because Cam Newton had a better game. He had a rushing touchdown, I think. He didn't turn the ball over at all except, like you said, on the last drive there, which was very unfortunate for him. But, I mean, winners make plays in big situations, and that's what the Bills' defense did there. And, um, yeah, I mean, Damian Harris had 102 yards and a touchdown. That was, This was his first big game, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a really close game. Like I said, a lot closer than I expected. What were your thoughts? So you mentioned the Bills playing down to their opponent. I'm, I'm honestly in the beginning of the season they start four and zero and whatnot, but I'm starting to get a little worried. Uh, what I see from the Bills right now, I, they obviously are six and two, but if go against Tennessee and get absolutely demolished, they play Kansas City lose two, but Kansas City didn't play great that game. Then they play the Jets and have a stinker against the Jets and still end up coming up with a victory. And then they don't play great against this New England team that if we look at their roster, are they are they that great? Can we compare them, their roster to the likes of others? And Cam, who has struggled in recent weeks, and as you said, they, they played down to their opponent. So I'm just going to be interested to see, especially in these next two weeks when they have to uh, host Seattle and they have to go to Arizona before their bye week. I think it's going to be a real testament to what we see from this football team going into the second half of the season. Just There's just something with them that I, I think they're a step away from it, but I, I just don't see them getting to the next level yet. And it, what is the next level? I mean, they need to win playoff games first and they win a playoff game. That's going to be something that we'll have to see, but I don't know. There's something in me that that's a little, I don't see something promising from their team. And maybe I'm being way too harsh because you are what your record says you are and you're six and two and you're the top of your division. But I just, I hope I see a little bit more from the bills and start to in the next two weeks, I'll say if, if they play well, the next two weeks, even if they come out one and one, play well in both games though then i'll say okay i, I think they're for it but they play they go on with two and, and don't show up then i'm gonna be a little worried about them but on the other side of the ball the patriots it's it's getting rough in the new england area me being up in the providence area it's pretty funny to you know not hear from a lot of people uh this year talking about the patriots it's always been patriots 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 super bowl super bowl and now that's always nice. Patriots, it's 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 quiet talk around here. So I mean, I don't have much to say as a Giants fan, but it is interesting, you know, to to hear that. But as you mentioned, they, it's not a lot going for them. They're receiving guys. I mean, you you can't even remember these guys' names the next week nope. of who's going to be their receivers. And, and this upcoming week, um, Edelman's still going to uh, be out and. I don't know. They're, they're in for a rough one. A bill came out this past week and said how well, Cam's always only on a $1 million deal, and there's a reason for that, and we don't have the money, and but we've still gone to Super Bowls in the past three years and conference championships and whatnot. So, I mean, who knows what Bill's trying to get out there. Um, but it, Patriots might start to fall pretty soon, and maybe even some fans will start to say, start losing some more games. So we'll see. Yeah, I, but did you see that uh, Belichick quote? He was he was flexing on the uh, everyone. Was, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you expect you expect that. At this point. Yeah, I mean, he said how he uh, came out and the last like decade, we'll say, how they just went for it and then they they yeah. achieved what they wanted to and like he he was great for so long with Brady that people just like took it for granted that the Patriots were always good and he kind of came out and like gave people a reality reality check saying like. We can't always be that good. Like we went for it and we achieved what we wanted to, and now we have to like 
start back from square one, basically. He didn't say that, but that's basically what he was getting at. Just the one other thing I wanted to say about the Bills that you were saying, like, I think winning hides, like, mistakes. And I think, like, if they would have lost this game, that would have been, like, a big wake-up call for them that they probably needed. But yeah. I think they're, they they keep winning these these close games where they're playing down to their opponents, and it's it's not a good thing for them, I don't think. I think they're no. getting out. Like, they're getting the wins, and like you said, a win's a win. But eventually, when they get to come playoff time and they play the, the really good teams that they have to beat, if they don't play up to them as, as good as those teams are, then they're not even going to come close. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I, I say that to the effect of they've lost their two losses become, come against two teams that were in the AFC championship game last year. They lost to Kansas City and to Tennessee this year. And in two of them, they in the Tennessee game, they got absolutely smoked. And then in the, Jet, in the Chiefs game, it just always seemed that Patrick Mahomes was going to take over and come out with a victory. So that's, that's the only reason I say that it's, there's levels to this game in, in football, you know, like you need to get over, you need to be better than, than the rest. And if, if they want to be the best, they got to beat the best. It's the most cliche thing ever, but it, it's absolutely true. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Uh, as I said, I'm interested to see what happens in, in the next two weeks as they play Seattle and, and Arizona. No. Yeah. If you want to go on to another game, uh, Next one I have here is the Bengals Titans game, which was a, a huge surprise. I mean, Joey B showing out again for us here. Um, oh man, Joe! But I think the most impressive thing was the the Bengals defense in this game. I mean, they they gave up a lot of yards, but they they held when they needed to hold, and that was the biggest thing for them. Because I feel oh, yeah. like uh, these games that the Bengals come close in, Joe Burrow is never really the the man to blame. It's always the Cincinnati defense not being able to get a stop when they need to. And I think they, they did that this uh, this past week. And Cincinnati had 10 more minutes of time possession. They The yards wasn't really a big split, but, I mean, they got the first downs when they needed to, and that was the biggest thing. I mean, Joe Burrow, two touchdowns, Bernard a touchdown. Joe Burrow found a, a good uh, passing mate in T. Higgins there. It's funny how they went against each other in the – uh, national championship and now their teammates but uh yeah they got some good chemistry growing there i like that uh both of those guys a lot i i'm i was super impressed with, with the way they played on on sunday it, this was a game where i think people could say that that joe's taken the next step you know he's he's here in this league and he's the first pick for a reason and he needs to get some statement win on on his resume so far. And this, is, I mean, it's only their second win, but it's against a Tennessee team that people are saying could be going back to the AFC Championship game again with their coaching staff and their run game and, and what they can provide. So for them to, to host Tennessee and come out with a 31-20 victory, putting 31 points on that Tennessee team isn't the easiest thing to do. So I, I thought it was great for Joe. I think their offensive line played really well and, and protected him. Uh, the way they they needed to protect him, Joe didn't get sacked once the entire game. That also obviously has to do with with how Joe is playing. But I, I was I was super impressed. And as you mentioned, their defense stepping up when it mattered. It's still crazy when we say that. Um, and Derrick Henry still had 112 yards. Uh, Corey Davis still had 128 uh, receiving yards and a touchdown. So that's always funny to me the way that works. But as, as you said to to that point, their defense came up when it mattered most. So that's exactly what you need. Um, Steven Deskowski missing another field goal. I know it was a 50-plus yarder, but starting to get a little weary. And I think if he misses a couple more the next uh, couple weeks, he might be out might of a job. <laughs> yeah. So for the Bengals, though, especially since this is them going into their bye week, this was the game we're going into a bye that I think it's for Cincinnati fans. This is something that's really encouraging. You have a statement win for a team that I, I talk about that next level for the likes of the bills, right? We we've seen the bills throughout our entire high school uh, career where they were terrible and as the Patriots run and everything and no one else was competing in, in the AFC East. And now they've starting to, started to get to the next level. They have their quarterback. They have their defense. They, they have what they have. 
And now for the Bengals, you know, they need to take that next step, get to that next level where at least start to be competitive. And as we talked about it last week, they've been competitive in the majority of games that that they've played in. So it's going to be tough coming off of uh, the bye week and having to go to uh, Pittsburgh and play the Steelers. We'll probably still be undefeated unless they blow it to the Cowboys this weekend. But then they play Washington and then the Giants. So Joe's going to – He's, I think he'll have some games over the next couple of weeks, so it's exciting to see. Yeah, and uh, and we talked about the Bills, how they play down to their opponent, I feel like at least. I don't even think, in this game in particular, I don't think the Titans played down to the Bengals. I think the Bengals played up to the Titans. Yeah, and I didn't sure. really see. The Titans didn't look like they were like that, like lackluster or anything. I think the Bengals just came out, and they, they wanted this game more, and they, they played harder, and they ended up coming out with the W. And I think that was a big difference maker in this game. I agree. I totally agree. It's, it's as we keep saying it every week, but it's really nice to see, as someone who loved Joe at LSU, it's, it's nice to see that it's translated over so far. Um, anyways, moving on. We're, I don't think Andrew and I are going to talk about the Raiders-Browns game or the Colts-Lions game, but just quick recap, the Raiders seal of victory in a very windy and I think every single weather condition was happening in Cleveland that day. Um, we laughed about the missed field goal that literally went about 40 yards wide. Um, it would have been straight through the uprights if it wasn't. Right. <laughs> uh, 16-6 that game ended. That was all due to the fact that the Raiders scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. Browns end up coming up with a loss. Uh, these games that, you know, people say – Baker should win, and they don't end up winning. That's, that's that's the NFL life. And the Colts-Lions, I'm just happy because the Colts ended up covering two and a half for me. They put up 20 points in the second quarter and then 21 points in the fourth quarter, and they kind of left they left the lines in the, in the dust. Uh, but I, as you saw, Andrew, that Matt Stafford ended up coming up with COVID um, yesterday, yep. which mm-hmm. would be Wednesday recording this on a Thursday. So – that's going to be interesting for them. I know they play Sunday against Minnesota and won't be playing, so it's not going to be good for for that Detroit team who has three wins on the season. They're only three and four, so yeah. And they and they lost Galladay this week to yep, the IR. Yep, they did. So that's a tough loss for them, especially tough week for them in general. Yeah, they were they were looking pretty good. I thought they had a a favorable schedule going forward. I thought they had a couple of games that they could win, maybe do something. But uh, I mean, losing your top—I mean, your quarterback and your top receiver—is kind of hard. So we'll see how they can uh, bounce back next week against the Vikings if they can. All right, so I'll do the honors in introducing this game. But the Minnesota Vikings against the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers end up falling at home to the, at the time, one and five, Minnesota Vikings. Go into Green Bay, into Lambeau Field, and come out with a 28-22 victory, Andrew. Oh, man. We, we know what I always refer to the Green Bay Packers defense as. And uh, I got it from my dad, and I will continue to use it until they finally shore up their defensive line and linebacking core. But their Swiss cheese defense really showed out this week. And <laughs> it, was, it was really hard to watch, especially because I hate Dalvin Cook and the Vikings. And of course, Dalvin Cook was going against me in fantasy as well. So fantasy points. He had um, he had three touchdowns, 163 yards on the ground. That's just on the ground. And then he had another 63 yards receiving and a touchdown in the air. He had all of their points. He was responsible for all of the Vikings points. So it shows you where the Packers weakness is. And that's against the running backs. But I mean, he is one of the top running backs in the league. So I mean, it's just it's just a tough loss for us. I mean, we came into this week looking to go six and one, and then especially that last play. That last play got to me because I was watching it, and I just I know the the magic that Aaron Rodgers brings in those last second hail marys, and I just wanted to, I just wanted him to get the ball off. That's all I wanted to see because that would have given me hope. But <laughs> you know that one defensive lineman got there in time, and he stripped him of the ball, and the game was over. But that that really got to me that last play. I just really wanted to see the see the ball get thrown in the air and uh, see what happened, but I couldn't get to that. So the the only thing that can get you a little excited, besides the fact that you know 
Aaron Rodgers is going to want a, a game today where tonight against the Niners where he, he wants some payback. But for, you know, Tevin Coleman having an, a knee injury and then also still having Raheem Mostart on the on injury reserved, that gives you, I guess, a little bit of uh, satisfaction that tonight might be able to, you know, do what you, what you need to do and have a, a good game for the run defense. But the fact that they let up, what was it, 173 rushing yards, it's crazy. That's that's a lot of rushing yards given up for a team that has intentions going late into the postseason. Um, I was pretty surprised by it, but as I say, with these division games, anything can happen. We see it time and time again where teams that have no business in doing anything end up showing up, and the teams and that keep talking about the playing down to your opponent, but Green Bay – likely was doing that um, this this weekend, this past weekend. So for the Packers, is it something to be worried about? Mm, no, I don't think so. But they they just – I think it shows that they still have some things that they need to be reassured about and, and to fix up. And, and – but we also talk about how without Jones, it's, it's a big impact. And I don't know if you want to speak to that point, but – and I know they want him back as quickly as they can, but for him to be out and can't let the whole game be on Devontae Adams as he did the week before, having a, a game for himself, and he only had 53 yards on Sunday, but it, having Jones be out is, is a huge loss, I think. Yeah, I mean, having guys on as backup, having a backup like Jamal Williams is a luxury for them, but I mean... Mm. Aaron Jones is just a different animal, and when you lose him, it's a big loss. But, I mean, now going into this week, the they have barely any running backs on their roster. Their their top running back is Dexter Williams, who was, like, on their practice squad last week. Like, I mean, because A.J. Dillon tested positive. Jamal Williams hangs out around A.J. Dillon, I guess, so he had to go on the <laughs> list as well. And then Aaron Jones, they said, is still questionable. So I really hope he could go tonight, but I really want him to be healthy first. So if he can't go, then – It'll be Dexter Williams and uh, Tyler Irvin. So we'll see how that Two goes. Two names but... that everyone knows. Oh, yeah, yeah everybody. Sorry. Everyone here. I know the, the roster down to a T. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I just – one more point about this game that irks me. Kirk Cousins only threw the ball 14 times the entire game. That just, that just reminds me of Garoppolo in the NFC Championship game. Like, that's that's the exact vibes that I got from this game was the NFC Championship game. Like, Raheem Mostert, just switch him out for Dalvin Cook, just switch out Cousins for uh, Garoppolo, and then you get the Packers loss in the NFC Championship game last year. Except it wasn't this close. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, my friends. I mean, if they're going to run down your throat and just – Go up the gut every time, and when Dalvin's feeling it, and Dalvin had thirty touches in the in the backfield, I, there's no reason to to stop it. If they can't stop it, keep keep doing it. Just keep no, I doing it. Agree, but you, yeah. I feel this is just me as a Packers fan talking now. But I feel like after a certain point of them running it every play, you have to know that the run is coming, and if you know that the run is coming, you have to be able to do more than than what they did. And I don't know. I'm not out there on the field. I can't really talk, but. It's just it pains me to watch when they when they just give up yards after yards. I mean, the one point in the game, they they nailed them down pretty deep after a good punt from J.K. Scott. That's their punter, by the way. Um, after a good punt from him, they nailed them deep in their own territory, and then first play, Dalvin Cook gets like a twenty yard run, and they they have breathing room at like the like the thirty yard line. I I mean, I just it's things like it's little things like that that just add up into a defeat, but like. It was just a tough game to watch as a Packers fan. It's tough, but as I said, I, we'll see what happens tonight because without Jimmy being there, without George Kittle, without yeah, their whole team. a lot of guys. Yeah, for Tevin Coleman, and then you've got Horn and Ayuk and Trent Williams and Debo Samuel having COVID. It's it'll it'll be a shocker, and I know you would be super upset if the Packers end up losing tonight. So. See what happens, but super up, super upset is the PG version of how I'd be feeling. PG yeah. ver- oh, that's that's how we do it here, you know. Of course. Uh, but anyways, that's how it goes. Five and two for the Packers now. Two and five for the Vikings. Chiefs Jets game. I don't think anyone 
could ever expect Chiefs to lose this game. And Patrick Mahomes got to basically play against the high school football team. I think he had like his first quarter, you know, high school football stats in this game. He went 31 for 42, 416 yards, five touchdowns, 144.4 QBR rating. And it's not much else to to say about that. He threw 42 times. Like if you're throwing 42 times, it's it's got to say something about your opponent that you don't you have no respect for your opponent. And look then what happened afterwards where in the first quarter they threw a fake punt on their own 40-yard line and the Jets couldn't cover it. So, I mean, it, it's funny too because in the beginning of the second quarter, right, it was only I think the score was, it was 14-9. 14. Yeah, 14-9. So, you were hanging in there. Yeah. I, thought, I thought the Jets <laughs> were going to pull it out, man. Oh, man. If it would have been one of those games where the Jets, you know, hang around and then have a chance. And that's, imagine that was their one win the entire season that the Jets pull off. (laughs) That would have been worth it, in my opinion. Oh, man. It's, on the Jets side of things, there's, there's not really much to really talk about. There is, there is one. Sergio Castillo signed this week, hit all three of his field goals. That, I mean, he impressed me. I mean, oh, man. I'm for the brand. He, he went three for four, though, Andrew. It's not like he went perfect. He went I know, three for four. It was this guy's – he got signed off the street last week. What do you expect of the guy? I don't expect a lot, but it's – if that's the one bright side of this entire Jet season, then fair enough. You found your kicker for the They future. found a new kicker. Happy for you. Um, but, hey, Joe Douglas came out this week and said he doesn't think Adam Gase is the problem. So I can't <laughs> yeah. wait for the future of the New York Jets. Oh man! Shout out to my boy Mike, diehard. Uh, sorry, nah, for you, I feel man. bad for you, Mike. Um, I'm you got sorry. Trevor. You got Trevor coming up. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Joe Douglas says it's on him. He needs to do better with 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 the team that he's put together. But I'm, I keep laughing. But it's it's quite it's sad at this point. Isn't it? It's a joke. It's the New York teams besides Buffalo that are just awful right now. But whatever. Patrick Mahomes, have yourself a day. You didn't even play the whole game either. You got to sit on the bench for a little bit. And now you go and play Carolina this this upcoming week. Uh, it's possible that, especially after playing a game like that, that they have a little bit of a fall off going into this weekend. Usually happens with, with games like that. Um, but it's the week before their bye week, so we'll see what happens. Um, uh, you have any last thoughts about that, Andrew? No, no, that's that's it, man. Yeah, that's about it. Well, I guess we'll get into Tua's first game, first starting game of the year. I don't think we could say it was all Tua that let this <laughs> Definitely team not. to this victory, but they still come out with a victory nonetheless. 28-17, Miami comes up with a victory against an L.A. team that might be one of the most inconsistent teams uh, this year. But well, what did you see? Yeah, I mean that's the perfect word to to use for this LA team. They they look so good sometimes, and then there are other times their offense just looks like they they can't get anything going. And I mean, Jared Goff threw the ball sixty one times this game. That's insane. But insane. I mean, from the from the Dolphin side of things, the like you said, it was definitely not Tua. Their defense and special teams really showed out this week. I mean, they had a. They had a 78-yard fumble return for a touchdown and a 88-yard punt return in the same quarter, almost two minutes apart, not even. So that that gave them a lot of momentum going into heading into halftime there. And then getting a they had another touchdown, I mean interception, I think, that they returned to like the, the three-yard line or something, and then Gaskin ran it in, and it gave them a 21-point lead at that point. And like I think at that point, it, like it felt like it was over pretty much because the Dolphins were just dominating in every aspect of the game. So, I mean, that was really my thoughts. I was really impressed by the Miami defense and special teams the most from this one. Yeah. I, I'll say this is just one of those really, really weird games where if you just look at the stats and don't look at the scoreboard, you would automatically think the Rams. If you're not looking at turnovers, I should say too. Just look yeah. at the game straight up, just based off the stats, and you'd say, oh, the Rams won this this football game. But Rams had 31 first downs in this game. You know how many Dolphins had? They had eight. On third down, Dolphins went three for 12 on, on third down, compared to the Rams seven for 17. 
total yards, 471 to the Dolphins, 145. So, and then you look at the time possession too, and obviously it doesn't matter, but 36 to 23. And when you have four t- turnovers in a game and three of them are, are, are touchdowns, it's, um, it's, it's not going to help you. So for Tua, uh, he, I, we give him the benefit of the doubt as his first game. He's playing against an L.A. Rams defense that he got strip sacked by two, uh, by Aaron first Donald play, on his right? first play. Yeah, on his first play. <laughs> Do we fault him for that? I don't know. He went 12 for 22, only had 93 yards. Didn't He had two rushing attempts and got nowhere. Um, or I think he had like two yards on one of them and then had minus two the next. So ended up with zero rushing yards. So it – I don't want to be the one to, you know, say that Tua, that would be a very big stretch saying that Tua isn't the guy um, after one game. But it'll be something to keep an eye on. They end up playing Arizona in Arizona this weekend. Arizona coming off of a bye and having a big win the prior week against Seattle. So we'll see what Tua is able to do this weekend. But if the defense can, can keep playing like they did, I mean, it's, Almost crazy to think about those special teams and defenses coming up with touchdowns like that. That literally happens once every who knows when. Uh, yeah, there, there's not much more to say about that besides the fact that the Rams are just being super inconsistent. I don't know what they, they're going to need to be able to get back to that team that went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Is it still – same type of team as it was a couple years ago. Uh, I don't. I don't know. No, um, they lost it. I think. Yeah, it's it sure seems like that. And you know, upcoming for them, they're they're on a bye this week, but then they have to go uh, host Seattle. So, who knows? Who knows? Um, I, I just think it'll be interesting with the the Tua story going the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, he got his first touchdown, so. Congrats to that. But um I think I think I, I saw um Brian Flores came out today or yesterday and said that uh they want they're confident in Tua and that he'll be their starter not only for the rest of this year, but like for years going forward. Like they're that confident in him after just one week, which is kinda like saying a lot, but like I said, they Miami went all in on this guy from the start, so they're putting all their faith into him and I think it gives him a lot of confidence, but it also puts your organization in a bad spot. If he underperforms, then you look like you put all your eggs in one basket and stuff like that. So it's kind of a a give and take scenario. But for now, they their first his first game it went well. They they got the win, which is all that really matters. So they'll they'll see what happens next week. Yeah, I mean, shout out to um, to Brian Flores because he's got that team over five hundred right now and in a good spot. So we'll see what happens with them. If we move on to the next game, probably the game that should have been the Sunday night football game, except the Sunday night football game was the worst football game of all time. Uh, these Pittsburgh Steelers against the Baltimore Ravens, 28-24 in favor of the Pittsburgh Steelers, remain undefeated on the year. Baltimore falls to 5-2. and two. Um Andrew, if I'll tell you first, I didn't think Lamar looked very good on Sunday. I know he had 208 yards, two touchdowns, and 65 rushing yards, but he also came up with some costly turnovers, especially at the end of that game. He, he I, I, It was just that last drive of them trying to get down into uh, the Pittsburgh end zone. I know that they – didn't get down. They only got the ball back with less than a minute left. But still, there was just some decision-making, I thought, on Sunday that Lamar could have done better on. And maybe it's just a one-off game because I really like Lamar and his play style and the way he can do things. And that Pittsburgh team is legit. So that's another thing that you have to say. But I just thought some of his decision-making and the turnovers weren't, weren't great for him. On the other side of things, Pittsburgh continue to be Pittsburgh, be that grind, gritty team that they that they need to be. Uh, Big Ben didn't only had 182 yards through two touchdowns, and that's what he needed to do. So, um, 
I don't know. This Pittsburgh team, definitely for real, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I still think Kansas City is the team to beat. But being undefeated in the NFL is, is no uh, small task. Just to talk about talk about Lamar again, I think we, we forget because he's been so good so early on. I think we forget how young he is sometimes. Yeah. And I think some of that youth really showed this past Sunday against a, a really good defense. And when you play those really good defenses, they tend to – to show some of your flaws a little more than uh, we're used to seeing. And especially that first pick six right at the beginning, it was less than a minute into the game. I think that really gave Pittsburgh a lot of momentum. And I say this over and over again, but I think football is a game of momentum. So like once you get that, especially to start off the game as quick as they did, they came back and tied it back up seven, seven in the first quarter. And then they even took the lead at halftime. But I think Pittsburgh with their defense, their defense always gives them confidence to, that they're in any game at any point because their offense, I feel like has so many weapons that they could score whenever they want. So if you have a defense as good as you do and an offense that can go off at any moment, then it makes you feel like you're in any game. So I think they, they never really had doubts at all, especially with big Ben at the helm. He's probably, he's a really veteran guy who, who knows how to win games like this and uh, keeping them undefeated. That was a big thing. Like you said, it's no small task, but like I said, I think that first pick six was a big deal, uh, taking a lot of momentum uh, onto Pittsburgh's side. Yeah, and it, obviously the Pittsburgh offense really struggled in that first half. They, besides that pick six, they hadn't scored at all, weren't moving the football much, and they were down 10 points at halftime. And I thought for sure Baltimore being home, um, going against a division rival that's undefeated, that they would come out in the second half and – just do the same exact thing. And they kind of did the opposite. They they didn't play great in the second half at all. Pittsburgh got their points when they needed to. And, and they come out with the with a victory and, and see themselves undefeated. They was also getting a little chippy between the two teams. And I think that's how you know when, when that stuff starts to happen, I think that's how you know those two teams are like legit. Like those are teams that are gonna be fighting for, for some spots come the end of the end of the year. A lot of people were saying how this is how there's no doubt that both of these teams are going to make the playoffs, which which is true. So it was basically like a postseason preview. So I think if this is a preview of the postseason, then I'm excited for what's to come because this was a really good game. And like you yeah. said, the Steelers' offense wasn't clicking at first, but then they got it together in the second half and they made a game out of it. So you can only mm-hmm. hope that the playoffs are as entertaining as this one was. Well, I think that that kind of wraps up my opinions, unless you have anything more. But we'll move on to the uh, – do you want to talk about the Chargers-Broncos game, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I I fell asleep watching this one, and the, the Chargers were up. And they were up by a lot, too. And um, what was it? It was 21 to 10, I think. And then yep. after that, I woke up. And I literally woke up as I saw Drew Locke throwing the last second pass. And I was, I was just appalled. I was astonished. I didn't, I didn't know what to like. It, it turned into a crazy game. From it was twenty four to three at one point, and the Broncos came all the way back. And you got to feel for the Chargers at this point. Like the amount of games they've lost by one possession is, I think all of their crazy. losses have been one possession losses actually. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Too. I mean, this game. It started off kind of slow. I mean, not for the Chargers, but it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. And the Broncos finished with a victory. And, I mean, it's it came down to the Chargers having to settle for field goals late in that game instead of touchdowns. And the Broncos took advantage of it. And Drew Locke was outstanding, for especially for a young guy like him. He he really played uh, – came up clutch in those big moments. So, yeah, that was my bad. It actually was twenty-four to three. So the Chargers literally blew a twenty-one point lead in the um, in the second half. Like they went up twenty-four to three with seven and a half minutes left in the third quarter, and then blew that. So that's ridiculous. As you mentioned, with uh, the Chargers blowing all these late games, they and losing by possession. I, it is true that every game this season has been lost by one possession to them, and even I think that goes into last season as well we wish we found the stat but it literally has to be that since last season the losses they've had by one possession have just been ridiculous 
um, which is, is crazy. And I, I like Herbert a lot. We talked about that in the past couple of weeks. He threw three touchdowns, had two interceptions, though. But I, I like what I'm seeing for him. Drew Locke, Drew Locke's just kind of that, that guy that I, you know, I, I like to, I like to vibe with what he does. You know, he just throws, throws bullets across the field, and then you saw that dance he had at the end of the game, Andrew. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He was just kind of, you he know, feeling it. He was feeling it. He was feeling it after yeah. that one. He was just, he was just kind of feeling it. So I don't know. That's the type of player that just gets me excited. He doesn't talk that much on, on off the field. I mean, and even last season. When he was dancing on the sideline and they matched up the, the song with him, uh, dancing <laughs> and singing that. that. That was when I was like, oh, I, I kind of like this guy, you know. Yeah. And when when he's leading these guys to victories like this, it's it's fun to watch. I also say I'm starting to like what I'm seeing from from Philip Lindsay too. He's starting to become back that I think people thought of him out of um, out of college, and now he's he's starting to do it uh, a little bit more this season. So. He continues, and now he was hurt, and I'm pretty sure he didn't even practice yesterday, Wednesday, for them. But if he can be their solid back, then I think him and Drew Locke can can start to grow a relationship. And then when you have Judy on the on the outside, what we've seen from him so far, it'll it'll be interesting to see what where this Denver team can go. Yeah, I mean, and they're they're still missing Cortland Sutton's out for the year. Which is unfortunate, but he's he's a great talent. And just back on Philip Lindsay, he he had eighty three yards on six carries. So I mean, wow. that's that's pretty impressive from a guy like him. But I just like you said, he had some injuries. You just hope he stays healthy because when he's healthy, he always performs. I feel like, but he just he just struggles to stay on the field sometimes. Yeah, it's true, definitely true. Um, into the next game though, New Orleans Saints against the Chicago Bears. Box game of the week it was a 4:30 game ended in overtime 26-23 in favor of the New Orleans Saints. This was pretty back and forth game. Bears kind of came out hot. They took the lead in in the second quarter before the Saints kind of trimmed it a bit, and then Saints went up in the late parts of the game and. Bears had to call their way back with a, a late time field goal. Then this one goes to overtime. Both teams had an opportunity to finish it on their first drives of the game. And then Drew Brees kind of sends him down into field goal range and, and that's game over. So but what did you see from on this, Andrew? Besides the we didn't need, you could talk about about the big fight that happened. <laughs> I mean, what what are you doing? Who what's his name? Jav- Javon Wims? Uh I mean, I no, I didn't even know the guy's name before this week when he when he did that. So I mean, that tells you how relevant he is. But I mean, he's he's gonna be irrelevant now after getting suspended for two games, for for doing. I don't even know. He said something about C.J. Gardner Johnson took his mouthpiece out and spit on him or something. But now Gardner Johnson denied it. So I don't know. It seems like very childish and petty, and I don't know. I was just gonna say because then he takes. Uh, Gardner Johnson's mouthpiece out, and then he punches him. Like, and then Gardner Johnson doesn't even move. He hits him once, and he's just like, "Did this really just happen?" And then he hits him again, and then there's an all-out fight that happens. It's the craziest thing I've, I've seen. The that's the the one thing I've never understood. Going back to to playing high school football myself, I I never understood the act of punching someone with a helmet on. You're 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 hurting yourself more than you're gonna hurt the person with the helmet on. They're wearing a helmet for a reason, but it just didn't make sense. Like why you would do something like that. Just it's a, in my opinion, it's a privilege to even be able to stand on an NFL field and to, to get kicked off of it for like that, for, for doing something that stupid. Like it just doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. Like you're, you're getting to play on the biggest stage in front of, I mean, not in front of all these people, sorry, but like you're, you're getting to play on this big, the biggest stage in football in the world. And you do something as stupid as that. It just doesn't make sense to me over what your mouthpiece getting taken out. It, it's, it was just really stupid to me. And another thing I wanted to say about this game was uh, a Bears kicker finally coming up clutch in the, in the end of the fourth quarter to tie it up. I mean, I really didn't expect him to make that, especially after the, the history of all the, the Bears kickers and the, the doinks and the double doinks and whatnot. But 
it was uh it was a it was a pretty good game i mean like it was a good game but like not in the way that like the raven steelers game was in my opinion yeah. I, it was a close game but like it wasn't a super entertaining game in my opinion i don't know about you sure. no i what i get out of it is can nick Foles be that guy i keep saying this but i just don't know if if he can be that guy lead this Chicago defense, or excuse me, Chicago defense, Chicago offense to that next level, basically, because this Bears defense is as good as they come by. And if the offense somehow, some way gets better, then this team is one of the best teams in, in football, but they're not because they have these offensive problems. So I just wonder if uh, these guys can, can get it together. And I don't, I don't think they will, but that's just my opinion. And for the Saints, I think the Saints, it's its a victory that they probably needed if they lost this game. It would have been, for me, more of a talking point about the Saints. I think they just need to continue to, to get their, their guys back on the field, get a, Emmanuel Sanders, get Michael Thomas back on the field, and then Drew will be able to gel with them and with, in this season at least and, and get his main guys back so they can make a late run. But that that's really all. I, I saw from, from this game. Yeah, I mean, just, just one last thing. They get there. I mean, I know they played the Bucks week one and they beat them, but I think the Bucks and Tom Brady are playing how everyone expected them to now, and their defense has also stepped up recently. So I think next week is a big test for the Saints to see where they're at because the, the Bucks are probably one of the top teams in the NFC right now. So it's it'll be a big test for them, but I think they're uh, they'll be ready for the challenge. Well, then, the last afternoon game was the 49ers against the Seahawks. It was closer than I would have expected, especially since the Niners made a push in the in the late stages of the game, more 20 points in the fourth quarter. But it ends Seattle 37, San Francisco 27. We only saw Jimmy Garoppolo throw 16 passes before Mullins came in. Um, on the other side, Russell Wilson did what Russell Wilson does. He had 261 yards, four touchdowns. DK Metcalf had himself a day. Like the guy's just—it's still crazy to me how he went as late as he did. I mean, yeah, hundred—it's—it's crazy. They have literally come up with 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 the steal, and the guy is so young. And him and Russell are gonna have a lot of fun together on that football field for for the next couple of years. Yeah, and just to talk about what you said about DK Metcalf, here's here's a list of the guys that were drafted before DK Metcalf. Marquise Brown, okay, he's pretty talented. Nikhil Harry, uh, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, okay. Michael Hardman, eh, he's fast. Uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside by the Eagles, sheesh. Harris Campbell by the Colts. Andy Isabella by the Cardinals. I mean... All those guys went before DK Metcalf. You, you think he he doesn't play every game with a chip on his shoulder because of that? That I mean, like the guy didn't have enough motivation already, but that's that's insane the amount of guys that went before him. But like you said, what a game! 12, 12 catches, one hundred sixty one yards, two touchdowns. And coming into this week, I think San Fran was like a top five pass defense, and him and Russell Wilson just made them look pedestrian at best. So I mean. Russell Wilson, like you said, he continues his MVP numbers, four touchdowns, 261, no picks, threw for over 60%. I mean, the guy's just uh, Mr. Unlimited. That's what they call him, I think. Yeah. Mr. Unlimited. I mean, even they, they had like three running backs out, and this guy DJ Dallas still comes in, scores a touchdown for him, gives him some good ground game. I mean, they – I mean, except for that game against the Cardinals, I think they've they've played like lights out this year, basically. And I mean, their defense is playing well. They still they still don't even have Jamal Adams back. But I mean, watching their games and seeing Bobby Wagner do what he does, I mean, the guy's the best at what he does in the game. He's easily the best linebacker in the league, and the amount of plays he makes for them, he's he's a big difference maker for them. And I think moving forward, they're they're going to see a lot more success. Oh, for absolutely, and I think for the 49ers side of things, though, they're they're in some trouble now um, with Garoppolo not being as healthy, and them rushing him back into into playing, and now it's it's 
going to cost them even more valuable time out. Now George Kittle is on IR for at least eight weeks. And now you have all these guys catching COVID, and this is a, a big game for them um, tonight. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens the rest of the way for the Niners. For the Hawks, I think they're Super Bowl contenders without a doubt. Um, if you have Russell Wilson as your main guy and DK playing like he's doing, and we didn't even – it's DK and, and Tyler Lockett too. Like Tyler Lockett's up there as having himself a year too. So it's, it's, this Seattle team is, is fun to watch. I think they're a likable team too. So it's going to be fun to see what – they cook up the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you want to go into the Sunday night game, just to go over the score, because really? I don't think there's there's anything really? else to talk about. But um, all right, I'll yeah. tell you this. I'll tell you this. What? This Sunday game, right? I didn't get to watch a lot of a lot of live action football on Sunday for the one o'clock, four o'clock games. But I did, I did get the chance to watch a Sunday night game, right? You got the privilege so, of watching this game. I had the privilege of watching that Sunday night football game. And I thought to myself, you know, just be able to uh, do some homework and, and watch some football. Right. And I couldn't have watched a worse football game in this entire universe. I was, oh, was so bad. Both quarterbacks, absolutely awful. Carson Wentz looked like he was Danucci out there. Uh, he was throwing <laughs> passes that were absolutely ridiculous. Uh, props to you. You had two touchdowns, and you beat a Dallas team that can't put up more than 10 points. But uh, they got awful. Like It was one of the worst football games I think I've watched all season. Uh, whatever. I don't even – just makes me mad. I, I, that was the football game I got to watch this weekend. And on that note, we'll uh... – We'll end that one. Just the Eagles defeated the Cowboys. That's all you need to know. The the Bucks Giants game on Monday night. Uh, that was a, a tough ending for a for a Giants fan. What were your thoughts on that one? I mean, it just you know, and Daniel Jones just has to learn when to get rid of the football. Now everyone's going to talk about, well, is Daniel Jones the guy? Is is someone if Giants are in the second spot in the draft. Should they draft Justin Fields? Should we do this? Should we do that? Or should they decide to defend um, Jones and build around him? It's just the stat now is Jones has had a turnover in 20 of his past 21 games. Like, that's crazy. Um, that's that's insane to me. On the, I mean, he threw, he threw a beautiful pass to Golden Tate, right? Um, on the touchdown to put a 25-23, an absolute dime. And then that's where you say to yourself, Daniel Jones can be that guy, right? And they yep. kept talking about it on the, um, on the broadcast for on ESPN, where if he just learns in some of those plays, just get rid of the football and just let it, let the down be, and then it's all over. Then you could say, all right, he's learning. But consistently, he has done this thing where he throws some beautiful passes, does some beautiful things, and then does these absolutely stupid and horrendous things that you just think to yourself, what are you thinking? And I just don't understand why he continues to do it. Is it coaching? Is it uh, – I don't I don't think it is. Is he just have to going to be more mindful of it? Yeah, I, I think so. But at the same time, if you're doing it in 20 of the past 21 games, then we've – got a problem and then on that last one that last play to tie it up on the two-point conversion he had Deion Lewis for about four seconds before he actually threw the ball to him was it P.I. maybe I go both ways I say I think you could defend the argument that it was P.I. and I think you can defend the argument that it wasn't P.I. I think you can go both ways but Daniel Jones could have thrown that ball three seconds earlier and it would have been tie game but for them I, as a bright side I, I will say I like the competitive spirit that I've seen from this team. I think Joe Judge has done a, a great job at making this team be at least a little competitive because, yes, they are one and eight, whatever it is now at this point. But they, they in a lot of those games, they've had a legit chance. Of, and I'm not just saying this, but they've actually had a legit chance of winning some of these uh, football games. And we were playing Tom Brady and – the, the Buccaneers, you would expect them, as many people did, to get blown out. But I thought that our the defense looked very good for most parts of this game. 
Um, besides some calls where some late hits and hits to the head on Brady's uh, drive to win it, which I thought were a bit fluky. But um, Brady, man, the go. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but th- those are my thoughts uh, this weekend. The Giants. I mean, I hope they can beat Washington, but who knows? Absolutely, no one knows. What are your thoughts, though? Yeah, I, I think that, like you said, they, they were super competitive against what I think is one of the best teams in the NFC at this point. And uh, one thing that I kind of I saw on Twitter that I kind of agree with is they said if, uh, if Tampa Bay was down at that point and they were going for two, and Daniel Jones threw it way too late, but this is besides the point. Like they said, if Tom Brady was throwing that ball, he definitely would have gotten the flag, no doubt. And I, I completely agree with it, which is kind of unfair when you think about it. But, I mean, that's that's life sometimes. The Giants, like, they, their defense kept them in this game the whole time. I mean, without, their defense played really well, especially against the, the Tom Brady-led offense, who they, they kind of held everyone on the ground. Fournette and Jones couldn't really do anything. Uh, Brady had to win this one on the, in, through the air, I feel like. But it, it's, again, what this game comes down to is uh, Daniel Jones and his decision-making. Uh, like that's if he if he doesn't throw those picks, it, the game always comes down to turnovers. And I think if he doesn't throw those picks, they're they're in a much better situation than than what would had happened. Yeah, just just one ending point about Daniel Jones. Like you said, I I'm optimistic about him as well because I think he's shown the physical attributes that he has, and he's able to perform at at the highest level in the NFL here, and like. It's more decision making with him than the physical aspects. If he he has the physical aspects to be a great quarterback in this league, but he has to work on the decision making, and I think that just comes with time and age and coach and just experience in general. And once he gains, I mean, he has experience, but it's still only his second year, which a lot of people forget. So I think once he gets more experience, he'll he'll learn to just throw the ball away and take second down and stuff like that instead of trying to force every play to be that play. Because not every play can be that play, and he has to grow yeah. and understand that. Yes, he's just gonna have to learn that. And with the New York media now is gonna be all over him, which they have already. But it's the same way with Sam Darnold for the Jets. It's New York media is not gonna be nice to you. You know, they're not gonna be oh, give him this time. And people said okay, they got his time last year. Now let's see if he can improve on it. And has he? I don't know. They're a team that's one and eight right now. So. Uh, see how it goes anyways Andrew let's get into our picks I think we both need some positive weeks this week if we want to get over the get over the hump I'll start it out I'm gonna take the New England Patriots minus seven over the New York Jets I don't think the Jets win this game I think Cam will have himself a game especially on the ground I'm gonna predict this this weekend I'm pretty sure this is the late game of the week um Pretty sure it is Monday yeah, night. Monday night. So I'm going to take New England minus seven over the Jets. I'm also going to take Chiefs minus ten and a half over the Carolina Panthers. I think they come out and beat the Panthers by at least more than ten. And then I'm going to take the Texans and Jaguars over fifty and a half. Two teams that I think offensively are capable of putting up numbers, and their defenses aren't very great at all. So those are my three picks. So for the first three and a week of the year. I don't know. You're going to need that Jacksonville backup to come up clutch for you with that last one. But um, uh, let's get into my picks here. I'm going to go Ravens over the Colts. They got it at minus one and a half right now. I think the Ravens will bounce back, especially after that uh, loss to the undefeated Pittsburgh team. Um, The Vikings over the Lions. I'll take them straight up. I think the Lions without Matthew Stafford, the Vikings coming off a big win against the Packers, everything's going their way right now. So I think that's a a Vikings win. And then my last one is uh, I'll take the over 48 points in the Dolphins-Cardinals game. I think uh, Tua will have a way better game than he did last week. And then Kyler Murray and uh, D-Hop coming off the bye, I think they'll be pretty impressive. So. Uh, yeah, we'll see that. And uh, just one last thing I just thought of. We were talking about the Bucks giants game. Ever since I said uh, I thought Gronk was back, he has scored a touchdown in every game. So uh, i just like to throw that out there. True. Yeah, he's definitely looked a lot better 
in more football shape than he had a couple weeks ago. So, for sure. But yeah, I think that uh, that'll uh, wrap us up for this week. That'll be it for me too. Well, thank you everyone again. I know we didn't get our 10 o'clock a.m. Thursday in, but things happen some weeks. Um, but thank you again, all for you that are listening to Andrew and I ramble about sports. I'm going to keep it to the NFL this week. Obviously, there is some news in the NBA and other stuff, but we'll get more in-depth on that in the later and coming weeks. But, Andrew, any last words, final words before we end this? No, I'm just uh, – one last thing. You said it earlier in the podcast about uh, how we're talking sports, not politics. I'm just glad to – be that outlet for some people to get away from everything going on in this country and just uh, talk about sports for a while. Absolutely. Well, we hope one day that all of America can come together, but that might just be a fantasy. But anyways, <laughs> sports talk, that's what we're keeping it to. For Angela Zara, I am Liam Tormey. Thank you all for listening to Two Falcons, One Hour. We will see you all next week.